Welcome to Move Left Idiots, a socialist talk podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montarulo, joined here by my co-host, Comrade Dracula. Comrade, what's happening? What up? Coming to you live from the great white north, northern Michigan, where once again, I'm here for the chestnut harvest, busting a nut, and uh, the, the orchard, it's about a, it's probably about a 10 acre, 10 acre orchard spread out over like three different plots of land. And, uh, you know, in, in past years, we've gotten up to about 500 pounds, right? And we have a, right. a bulk uh, buyer downstate that'll pay us $2 a pound, right? So uh, we have to split that with the landowners up here that own the orchard, but that's still like, you know, it's like you're just picking money up off the ground, basically. Right. right. <laughs> now it's like the, collecting cans on a mass scale. Right. I mean, the, the, the shitty part is like your fucking back and your thighs are going to hurt like crazy because you're walking around for, you know, six right. to eight hours a day just picking up shit. And a lot of them don't even fall out of the like the burrs that they grow in. They have all these like spiky things around it. So animals don't eat them before they're ripe. So you have to have like the like fucking impenetrable garden gloves on to pry these things open. But they'll still stab through the gloves. So like my hands right now, like if you imagine you get a blood test, you got to like, you know, poke your yeah. finger to do blood. Imagine doing that 24 times oh. in a day. That's oh. how my fingertips feel right now. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> but but the good part is because we had such a like a wet August um like the yield this year is like five times what it's been before uh in previous years it would take us a week to get up to 500 pounds right, right. we got to 500 pounds in two days right so right. and our buyer just say bring me as much as you can right mm-hmm. so uh you know if we bring them we're gonna we're gonna surpass a thousand pounds right and that's so we get like two thousand dollars what is put that in a half give that half of that to the landowner and the other half is going to buy me a brand new iPhone 13 Pro, so you and me can have the same <laughs> fucking unit. Nice, nice. Um, what 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 does he do with them? Does he he just sells them in in like retail? Oh settings, yeah. Or? So this, this guy downstate's got a like pick your own operation. Okay. But his he he never has enough for all the customers he gets. So he always has to, he'll just like <clears throat> box up the stuff we bring him for people to come there and like you know they want to let the kids run around and pick them up and whatever, but like they actually right. want to like you know, have a bunch to use for, you know, make brewing beer, making soup, whatever the fuck you do with your chestnuts. You can do anything with them. Roast them um, on an open yeah, fire. Roast them on an open fire. Fucking chin nuts. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> so, it, but it's not just the yield that's gone up, like the size of them, you know, has gone up this year. Like the, the, the quality of the nut. I'm just like running around just like massive nut, massive nut. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere. Just getting my hands on a massive nut. Um, nice. Nice. so yeah, and it's, I'm just, I'm like just skipping over all the, any smaller one. I'm picking up like maybe one out of every 10 that I'm seeing because they're just like, it's, you know, it's fucking huge and it's money, you know, the, like the bigger, the bigger the nut, you know, the less you got to pick up. Right. So you, you, you're, we're getting to that, um, you know, the, like doubling what we did last year in half the time, which is pretty fucking awesome. And it's the weather up here has been amazing. Like normally we're in like you know, gloves and multiple layered hoodie and everything. Yeah, and it's been in the seventies. Sure. It's been in the fucking seventies. It's been too hot for this work actually. Yeah. It's, so, it's yeah. been a little like, we, it's Thanks been weirdly. <laughs> right. Right. No, we, we definitely have been kind of having like an Indian summer uh, as they call it lately. That's racist it's, it's, by the way. That's <laughs> yeah, a, you know, <laughs> it's a thing. It's a term, but, um, but we're no, sure for real, get, like we're sure not getting gypped on the summer season. <laughs> No, it's not the fucking same. Um, but 
no but no i like legit last night i was like fucking kind of sweating trying to fall asleep and i'm like man i really wish i didn't take my fucking air conditioner out because it's uh it, it was up to like 77 i think in here the last night which you Damn. know yeah i was like you know not 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 pleasant but but it's nice i like having the you know i love this time of year in general especially up here in new england it's very um just the fucking trees look awesome and there's like a bunch of great like outdoorsy shit to do and you know mm-hmm. like go to pumpkin the shit things whatever pumpkin um, shit things yeah <laughs> uh no no you got like picking or you go to like the, the you know like they have this thing up here called the pumpkin blaze where they just like carve like thousands of pumpkins into like cool shapes and like build them into fucking like the statue of liberty and shit it's it's a cool right. and you go through at night and it's all lit up you know that's actually where i proposed to my wife at one of those i had oh, to wow. carve, yeah. carve a pumpkin with you know the shit on it but just uh, carve, carve a different pumpkin for every episode of the forensic files you know like just <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> um but no it's 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 cool i like this time of year but uh yeah, so you know, this week we 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 don't have a ton of news to get to. Uh not a, not as much has been going on, but you know, the kind of uh uh big topic of discourse this week uh was the Chappelle uh stand-up special. It's his last stand-up special for Netflix. Uh at least for this, you know, kind of, he fulfilled his like contract with them, so this this was his uh final special on that deal that he signed with them. Uh, for some absurd hundreds of millions of dollars uh, amount of money. And, uh, you know, so I watched it. You watched it. Uh, the Internet definitely had some thoughts about it. I mean, you know, I, I feel like every time he puts out a stand-up special, uh, people write, you know, think pieces on it or attempt to cancel him. And I'm not here today to to just blindly defend Dave Chappelle. Uh, I think that, you know, there are things that I, I'll just first of all I'll say with the special itself I watched it and I mostly I laughed my ass off I think there are things that he said a couple of things he said that were just like not you know that felt out of touch to me and and we'll get into those but I think overall I still really enjoyed it and I think that a lot of nuance of all of these types of things gets lost when you clip out a sentence or two and just like you know plain text put it up there without any of the inflection or or the you know what comes before et cetera, et cetera. um which is not to say that i think that everything he said in the special was fine or like whatever but i you know i i think that that's i think there's twitter is like where nuance goes to die and i think that that's um just an unfortunate byproduct of the way discourse is on twitter and just you know in our culture in general these days um and you know i think we're going to get into the nuances of of the special and of of the kind of controversy around the stuff he was talking about um but but overall before we get into the kind of finer details what were your what were your thoughts on the special um i, I thought it was great and he can say things that i don't agree with and i can still laugh at shit right and i can i can you know uh be the target or the butt of one of his jokes and still find it funny whether it's accurate or not because all comedy is a form of hyperbole right Right. there's there's truthful moments then there's things that are just you know slight exaggerations and the other things it's like well that's completely off base but it's you know the 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 joke is (laughs) the joke is the joke you know right and 
when he said he, he said, yeah, he certainly said things that I'm like, well, I don't agree with that, but I can see how he's come to that that thing. And you don't know like who who he's hung out with, where he's gotten that impression of something or or whatever. Joe Rogan. But <laughs> yeah. Um, (laughs) but then you know Um, he's he's talking about he you know he spent the majority of this episode talking about you know how the trans communities come after him for things he said you know he's kind of made it his soapbox less than a stand-up special right and you know i i i watched it and i'm like okay he's kind of you know this is where this is the hill he kind of wants to die on right now and doesn't mean he's not making a point about certain things about people coming after him for things he never actually said. Right. Um, but you know, there was, I was, you know, for the most part, fine with, with the content. Uh, and then I started to read the responses to it and I was like, did, did they watch the same show that I watched? Because the, the backlash seemed to be almost entirely from people that did not watch it. Right. And, you know, and, and the funny part is like he that's he's talking in the special about people attacking him who just read an article about him and have never seen his material before, <laughs> which, which is which, which like, fueled another cycle of people writing articles about him who have never watched his stand up special. Yeah. Yeah. So I have one paragraph here from an article on GQ by a poet named Saeed Jones called Dave Chappelle's Betrayal. And. This one pair, it's actually, I, I squeezed two paragraphs together here, but it, it illustrates perfectly sort of the, the, the problem <laughs> uh, here. And so I'll just, I'll just read this. Uh, By the time Chappelle declares that gender is a fact and that he's on team turf in solidarity with J.K. Rowling, I had turned off my television because I wasn't having fun anymore. And part of the freedom as I experience it is that I don't own Uh, I don't owe Dave Chappelle any of my time. Laughter is no joke, which makes the betrayal years in the making. Yeah, I know. It's it's just like (laughs) that. That line is is a very bizarre one, but okay. Humor is no laughing matter, Anthony. (laughs) Right, right. If you're gonna Um, take a a, a glib cavalier attitude about laughing, uh, then we're done here. Okay, frankly, I'm sick of it. Uh, Yeah. So laughing is no joke, which makes the betrayal. The betrayal. Okay, so first of all, like a, a guy who doesn't own your time, how can a guy who doesn't own your time betray you? Like, is that like how right. how does this relationship work? How can you be betrayed by somebody that like you don't owe your time to? Like, you just there's no there's no investment here. So how can you be betrayed by somebody? I don't know. Uh, it doesn't make uh, yeah, any sense. It, it it's, just it's so. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's bizarre. Um, yeah, I mean, specifically, like, the things he was talking about, like, the I'm on T, like, that stuff I thought was gross, but, like, again, I, you know, Dave Chappelle is really smart in a lot of ways, but that doesn't mean that he's not, like, dumb about shit, like, about certain subjects, or just has a blind spot because he is who he is, and he's been, you know, as successful as he's been for so many years. I mean, this is the same guy who thought Andrew Yang was the best candidate for president when Bernie Sanders was still running, you know? Uh, he wasn't, like, hostile to Bernie or anything, but he endorsed andrew yang and like was trying to do rallies for him and shit um which andrew yang rejected by the yeah, way which is it, it, on his part but it felt like dave Chappelle's political views at the time were shall we say half-baked right well that's what i'm saying like he like just you know and and again with the with the trans stuff like he dave Chappelle is is 
in some ways very privileged because he has a lot of money now, which you know, I'm not saying he didn't deserve. You know, he fucking got that money from those networks for doing this show and shit. Perfectly fine. But um, to him, he doesn't face real oppression anymore. So the most oppression that he'll ever face is that people are telling him that he's not acceptable in polite society or, you know, that he's that he's wrong and that or that he's, you know, like he's terrified of this idea of being able to cancel somebody because that's really the only form of retribution or, or, you know, punishment or oppression that he really can face anymore at this point in his life and career. So it is like kind of like his personal bugaboo that he can't help but bring to his, bring to his stand up because he is such an open book when it comes to his stand up. He's very honest and he's very, you know, incisive about a lot of things. I think I just wish he would kind of shut the fuck up about it, which he, you know, he said at the end of the special that that was the last time he was going to mention it, but I just don't like, again, it's not, you know, that was the portion of the show where it's like, this isn't comedy. And like, I, that's fine. Like you can totally talk about stuff. That's not comedy. And he often does, but at the same time, like, don't pretend you're not punching down. Cause like he, at the end of the special, the last line of his special, which really like, Put, left me on a little bit of a sour note because up until that last line i really liked where the way he kind of wrapped up the whole story with his his trans comedian friend and everything um and then he said you know uh, like basically something to the effect of trans community please don't punch down on my people anymore and i'm like what the f- do you you don't know what that word means you don't know what that term means like who are you, are you talking about black people because our trans people punching down on black people because uh actually the you know like the most uh, uh trans women that are murdered uh, the the highest percentage of trans women that are murdered are black um are you talking about rich celebrity comedians like because I, I just don't think he c- quite gets the concept of it and i and i think he's in some ways he understands that dynamic great because there's like another joke which i'll play you know in a little bit from this special uh, about another group that certainly marginalizes people. Um, and he fully understands that dynamic, but I, I just think he's got this weird blind spot because uh, you know, when, when you're, when you're attacked by a group of people or by whatever, you know, you, you take it personally and that's understandable, but I don't think he quite understands that he started it and that like, he kind of should just take whatever, you know, like no, he's never he hasn't faced any actual consequences from like the jokes jokes he's made about the trans community so like i, I kind of feel like you should just accept the fact that like yeah they're not gonna like him and it, it seems almost like he he doesn't he's like upset about the fact that the trans community is so hostile to him but like like what dude what do you fucking expect like you, right like, well, like, you know you like kind of deserve louis it UK, uh you know louis ck has a chance to come back and the first thing words out of his mouth are look at all the money i lost right <laughs> exactly <laughs> like, like poor fucking me yeah. with my hundreds of millions of dollars like fuck off like you know, yeah like, <laughs> like oh that kind of makes your apology ring a little hollow louis right Enjoy playing Europe for the rest of your career. <laughs> right, right. No, he'll still, I mean, look, and again, like Louis C.K., another great example. Like, people don't even realize it, but he still fucking sells out comedy clubs, you know, like moderate-sized comedy clubs all around this country because there are people who have watched his act, have seen what he's, you know, like what he was accused of doing, and they're like, yeah, all right, that's, you know, my their calculus is like, that's fine. And, you know, whatever, that's fine. Like, if they want to go, they can do it. 
but like it, it, this idea that like you're not being thrown in jail for your opinions. You're not being, you know, it, it's just, I don't know. I, it, it just, that particular segment of the, of the show and of all of his Netflix specials pretty much. Cause that's kind of been a theme uh, is, you know, the trans community pushing back on his initial jokes and then him yelling about them well, pushing back. Like it's just, so it just feels what, unnecessary. What I like about but, this, this little bit here from uh, Saeed Jones is illustrating the other half of the problem in that it's, you know, I turned my television off television off because I wasn't having fun anymore. It's like, okay, then you miss like 90% of the, the entire performance where he goes into nuance, nuance and detail about his feelings. And right. he doesn't say, I mean, he sends some things that are cringeworthy, but he didn't say anything hateful. And it's, you know, to, to just turn it off and then be like, well, I didn't, I didn't like this joke. So I'm not going to like, you know go through the whole rest of the thing to get to some of the better points he makes you know and again like hanging this whole idea of like like you know he the, the, he owes you something you know and this this is somehow this is like pretending you have a relationship with a person you've never met just because they're famous right um so we continue here yeah i'll, I'll start over at the halfway point laughter is no yeah. joke which makes the betrayal <laughs> years in the making at this point all the more devastating like like he's doing this just to trick people into liking him. And then he's like stabbing you in the back. I feel like a fool to have rooted for Dave Chappelle for so long. Things were easier when the men who wanted to hurt me just said so at the jump. Like what? It, it, I, 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 I'm not even asking this to be flipping, but is the author of this piece trans? I don't know. No. I, it, no. So what? So how is how is he being personally hurt? Like. Well, attacked by Dave Chappelle. Like I don't. This guy writing for GQ didn't watch it, so I don't know how you come to that conclusion when you. Didn't. Unless he's a Zionist, then I can understand why he was personally felt affronted. Uh, by the, yeah, but it doesn't so sound should, like he even made it to that about, joke. We should we should play the clip of the uh, yeah. best two part joke that Dave Chappelle had. Um, which, if it wasn't for the trans stuff, people would be way more outraged about this. Oh yeah, this would be the this would be the top of the news cycle. He actually kind of you know snuck this in there under the radar, probably because <laughs> right. he knew that that this other was, shit would be the, the headline. Whole, the whole Netflix special focusing on trans stuff was just a diversion to get in like like the the best Zionist joke, <laughs> right? The, the best comedy. <laughs> So and just for people that haven't watched it yet, and you should you should definitely watch it, especially if you've enjoyed his stand up before. It's 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 really good overall. But um, this the, these two jokes were like thirty minutes apart, but they're you know back to back in this clip. Um, so it's a it's it's a fun little callback at the end of the show, and and just kind of listen to the audience's reaction because I think that's the most interesting part of these uh, two jokes. Earth, and it made me think of an idea for a movie. It sounds dumb, but hear me out. In my movie idea. We find out that these aliens are originally from Earth. That they're from an ancient civilization that achieved interstellar travel and left the Earth thousands of years ago. Some other planet they go to and things go terrible for them in the other planet. So they come back to Earth, decide that they want to claim the Earth for their very own. It's a pretty good plot line, huh? I call it Space Jews. <laughs> And when his master granted him the freedom, he also gave him a plot of land. Now, it turns out this brother was brilliant. He had a, a, good, he had a good eye, a good knack for farming. And, and he farmed this plot of land very successfully and made a lot of money. And this is where the story gets crazy. Uh, when he got all that money, 
This nigga bought some slaves. You ever heard this before? This is a true story. Not only was he a slave owner, he became a slave breeder and employed tactics that were so cruel, even white slave owners were like, yo, my man. He was a wild dude, but he did it just because that's what successful people did at the time, and he just wanted to be down. What a fucking tragedy. How can a person that went through slavery perpetrate the same evil on a person that looks just like him? It's mind-blowing. And, shockingly, they're making a movie about it. Ironically, it's called Space Juice. <laughs> Which, um, yeah, just just great, great shit. Uh, but <laughs> the first the first joke especially, like, you could tell they got it, but they were like, uh, everyone was waiting for someone else to laugh because that's, again, you know, the, the, <laughs> the third rail of all third rails in America is laughing about uh the the fucking insane illegal occupation of uh you know of israel of palestine but it's just um you know i i really like those (laughs) those jokes i thought they were really clever um it's just you know again but the whole special was 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 largely like that and honestly the the trans stuff was not like a huge chunk like i think that's like the takeaway people took because that's what he closed with but it really is like 20 minutes of the entire you know hour and 20 minute special because i was watching it and like kind of like uh, not cringing but like uh, like you know kind of had that like like uneasy anticipation of like oh when's the bad chicken start and for the most part the whole thing i was just like i was laughing my ass off and like it, it was just you know that that little 20 minute segment uh where he kind of worked through his personal bugaboos but um overall i thought it was really good so i i really you know i, I think it's 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 very much you know you know in, in context it's a lot different than than the way it played well, uh, if, if you're looking for comedy nuts. that that does nothing but coddle you and never makes you feel uncomfortable and never makes you kind of go like is that funny? Like, then are what are they really doing their there's job? Plenty of, look, there's plenty of Jim Gaffigan stand-up specials on Netflix if that's what you're looking for. I mean. So, in in thinking about the kind of comedian David Chappelle is, and, and he very much is a '90s comedian uh, for, for all the the good or bad that that comes with. Right. Um, I just randomly let going through some old comedy things, and uh, I remembered the classic uh, adult cartoon from the mid nineties called duck man. And we have a clip of duck man. If you could uh, roll that here, that kind of gives a little bit of context for what some people may or may not think about Dave Chappelle. Yeah. I know you all came here to see Iggy Catalpa because you think he's funny because you like his style because you're just plain like him, right? Yeah! But you just think you do, because you are manipulated into thinking you do. By him, King Chicken. He did it the same way they manipulate us into buying toothpaste, car wax, even politicians. All prepackaged, the least offensive, most appealing alternative. But it's precisely when humor is offensive that we need it most. Comedy should provoke. It should blast through prejudices, challenge preconceptions. Comedy should always leave you different than when it found you. 
The rabble seems roused. Sure, humor can hurt, even alienate. But the risk is better than the alternative. A steady diet of innocuous, childproof, flavorless mush. Demand to be challenged, to be offended, to be treated like thinking, reasoning adults. And raise your children to be the same. Don't let a comedian, a network, a congressional committee, or an evil genius take away your freedom to laugh at whatever you want. So, yeah, the, the audience is not really, uh, they don't know what to make of that. They're kind of like thinking that's just like silence. Right. So if you recognize the voice there, that is, of course, the amazing uh, Jason Alexander, um, a show that answers the question, uh, what if George Costanza was constantly on cocaine? <laughs> <laughs> so right. this was this was the thing that like. You know, this did this didn't come out when Jason Alexander like came off Seinfeld and didn't have anything else to do. He started he fucking auditioned for this in the middle of like the peak of Seinfeld, like 1994. And the thing is, like, he thought it was a one off. He thought this was like a singular thing he was going to do. So he did like a really like, you know, uh, like harsh on his vocal cord version of George Costanza. <laughs> right. Not realizing it was going to be a whole show and he got cast and they're like, oh yeah, we're going we're to do like four seasons of this show. And he's like, fuck. <laughs> so, 70 episodes, yeah. And there's so much dialogue. They would they would do like 70 pages of dialogue mm-hmm. in for a half hour cartoon. And he would just have to like speed read through this stuff. And the thing I like though is like he the, the show is very much, you know, uh, a, a proto version of shows like uh, you know South Park, Family Guy, Futurama, Super Jail, uh, pretty much all of Adult Swim and Rick and Morty. Right. Um, you know, at a time when everything was pretty much like the the most subversive you could be was like The Simpsons, you know. And then The Simpsons always had some very subversive ideas, but you know, still kind of playing it safe in a lot of areas or like, you know, the subversive stuff would be like kind of snuck in there and you kind of have to like spot it and then they move on real quick. The themes of the show were never super subversive, but you know, the thing with Duckman is though, like this, he's very much like the, the character, or at least the monologue represented there is like your, your typical uh, Dennis Leary, Dennis Miller, you know, like railing against PC culture. There's a little bit of, of a point that's made there, but it's also like this, the, you know, the very 90s uh, white male, like, oh, they're taking all of our, we can't smoke in public, you know, like all that. that <laughs> right. Oh, wait, I'm going to eat 10 steaks for every vegetarian that, you know, like that whole right, the, the, fucking the demolition man, Dennis Leary rant, you know. Right. You know, or and smoke a big Cuban cigar in the not smoking this, section. The thing that. is, if the show was was done by Dennis Leary or written by Dennis Leary, it wouldn't be funny. But the show's written by a bunch of people that were, mocking those types of people for how overreactionary they were. And in doing so, it makes Duckman really kind of stand the test of time as a, as a show. Uh, and Jason Alexander, who clearly is not Dennis Leary or Dennis Miller and doesn't believe all that fucking right-wing bullshit, um, really brought something great to it in, in you know, creating a character that you, you, you don't empathize with. Um, the way that so many other shows with an anti-hero like Walter White uh, or, 
you know, Sopranos who does its best to make you hate Tony Soprano and you're still just like, oh, but I love him. He's a lovable asshole. But they, they, nev- they never towards- fully let you, you know, uh, well, at, at least until like maybe the middle of the, of the series, they really keep trying to give him those like slight moments of redemption where he's like not a total asshole. But it, it, it's a very fine line. I think they walk with Tony, like more so than Walter White, because I think Walter pretty early on is 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 an irredeemable piece of shit like i think that's kind of what uh mm-hmm. vince gilligan learned from tony soprano is like you know it works but you're kind of muddling your message if you don't like make that turn a little sooner i i, I, I that's what i'm feeling like at least right now and i'm you know how I'm far along in the sopranos are you right now i'm uh, uh right at the end of season three so about halfway through oh, the series god you're like glacial pace watching this i don't have um, time man i gotta fucking i watch it like an hour a night basically oh, after yeah. i get out of work and eat and all but um but no it's i mean it's fucking great and it, it's just you know but you can just tell everyone uh on the show is 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 kind of making that turn and and you know the, the only people you root for for the most part are like the women of the series like fucking you know meadow the one, obviously the, the ones therapist. that survive <laughs> right like just you know the ones who aren't like irredeemable pieces of shit is therapist meadow carmella kind of to an extent although she has her moments but you know well, it's um she certainly has a moment uh yeah i've been watching uh the wire um i've been racing through it and I, I took a little break but i really only have like the last one or two episodes of season five left um and it's it's just seeing like this huge resurgence of both those shows because everyone's been you know uh pandemicing uh and has a shitload of time to watch stuff seeing all these like old memes resurface and new memes about these two shows uh has been a lot of fun because of course you know, this isn't like ancient history, but it's still kind of, um, I guess, refreshing to see right. a bunch of Zoomers watching these shows and completely understand them and what's going on. Um, and yeah, it's just it's like the, these shows are like almost as soon as you watch it, you need to go back and rewatch it to to get all of the, you know, early season stuff that was carrying through the whole time that you didn't know until you got to the end. Right. Um, and we've talked about this the last couple of shows we've done about, you know, our our journeys on watching or rewatching these series and just how phenomenally good they were um you know and i remember uh, there was you know david david simon was always pissed off that like the wire didn't get a bigger audience at the time that it was airing but like now it was this huge cultural fucking thing and he wrote like this very uh like martyred letter uh <laughs> at the end of the wire saying you know that, that he was creating a show that was asking a lot of its audience you know, and it's like, come on, you know, you're, just, you're, you're sort of like telling your audience that they're stupid for not liking <laughs> right. more when you say right. a thing like that. But like, you know, it, really, because he he didn't think he was asking a lot of his audience. He thought he was making something that was compelling and nuanced and, you know, multifaceted, which he was. But it's just that, like, sometimes a show like that doesn't find its audience. I mean, there's there's great shows out there like Halt and Catch Fire that never really found their audience at the time that now have gone on to become cult classics. But, you know, it's just it's sort of you know you want your show to to get out there and be a, a cultural touchstone at the time the way that the sopranos was but right you know of course the wire was it's sort of a such a rare you know uh, cut the, the the things that need to happen for your show to become that like monoculture like zeitgeist show that everyone's watching when it's on is just the it's astronomical the odds that that's going to happen and most great fucking shows 
uh run for like a couple seasons because like you said like they just don't find their audience at the time i mean they're so even in recent memory like the, the show like community which was cursed with being on fucking nbc uh which you know and i say that people are like oh that's one of the most you know watched network that is the problem is like a show like that if it was on amc or like comedy central or fucking any other network wouldn't be expected to pull in you know 15 million people a night so when it got you know a million or two people a night it would be like oh great that's a great rating success for our network we're going to keep letting you make this and instead what they what nbc did was they kept fucking with it they you know fired dan Harmon at one point they brought in some other fucking clowns who completely destroyed the show it just shows like that that get frankenstein together at the end of their run it's just like a real shame because that to me was like the funniest sitcom of the 2010s like the funniest fucking show um and and nobody fucking watched it and then like but now that it's on hulu i think it's or i think it's on hulu you know it's on one of the streaming sites now it um everything's sort of on hulu everything's sort of right everything's on one of those you can um, get to it for a multiple paths but it, but it's found its audience especially now that rick and morty is so fucking popular and dan Har everyone knows who dan Harmon is they went back and watched you know the series he did before it and it's like oh holy shit this is incredible you know like it's just yeah it's um it's a shame that shit like that happens but that you know in some ways i kind of like that too because there are shows that you know you, you feel a little bit more ownership of a show when you knew about it you know it's the whole the indie band fucking thing where you're like oh i, I listened to them before they were you know huge sort well, of it's thing. also the fact that in 2002 when the wire premiered nobody under the age of 45 paid for hbo like, <laughs> right you, right you either watched it at your parents house or you didn't watch it and at that time everyone had just moved out of their parents house or you know if you were of the demographic that would want to watch a show like that you probably already had well and the people watching it now are too fucking young to like i was too young to watch the sopranos when it came out like i i remember it vividly being on and like my parents watching it um but like anytime i would come in the room they would change the channel like this yeah. too, too adult for you and i'm like oh come it's on i want it for you <laughs> i have a vivid memory of them talking about pokemon it's, it's, cards like on, it's just on, to you know i mean it's a touching <laughs> moment where uh, a troubled youth tries to drown himself in a pool and a father saves his life what's i mean that's that's <laughs> right. you know sounds like a it's like a lifetime movie right um the other thing the wire had going against it was that you know david simon wanted to make a you know realistic gritty uh, portrayal of Baltimore and in doing so wanted to cast as few well-known actors as possible which of course if you want to do that you hire a bunch of people from England or you hire a bunch of people who are local who have never acted before and there was <laughs> right. quite a bit of that or you do both and you hire uh, Idris Elba uh, and uh, one of the this was this was just randomly as I'm going through like watching clips of the wire I found this news clip that I thought was actually from the wire but was a real news clip. And it was about Felicia Snoop person, who, if you recall, was the nail gun girl, one of the two uh, killers, the enforcers for uh, Marlo Stansfield. And she was <laughs> basically was convicted for uh, heroin distribution. And this was after she was on the wire. So I dug <laughs> in a little bit, wow. you know, because on the show, she doesn't distribute heroin. She distributes bullets. They're, they're the ones that kill everyone and, and you know, cover them in lie and nail gun them, you know, to the floor in all these vacant properties so that, like, no one's finding these bodies till you know, months or years later. It turns out she actually has killed people in real life herself. <laughs> <laughs> she was convicted of second-degree homicide when she was 15 years old. 
So, you know, the fact that her name in real life is the name of the character in The Wire, uh, David Simon was just like, okay, yeah, let's do it. (laughs) So... It would have been, uh, yeah, what a bizarre cast, like in, on paper, like just I, you know, we, we want a bunch of people with authentic inner city Baltimore accents. So let's cast you know a British guy as the fucking lead cop and a British guy as the lead fucking uh, drug dealer of the series. But but they fucking kill it. Like it's just you know British people you could give any fucking role to, and they're just you know they're just like yeah fucking pull out like a perfect regional accent you know versus getting yeah. an american to do any well other you, fucking you want to cast people to play themselves unless it's a fucking white cop because uh the... oh yeah you don't want a co- person who <laughs> who is too much like a white cop on your set at any well time. they had a guy you know there, there was um the sergeant landsman who who's that the, the bald the shaved head guy no that was the big fat guy that cut your tie off if you fell asleep and he was supposed to be the, the guy who actually was the real life Sergeant Landsman oh, auditioned yeah. to play himself. And they said no and gave the, gave him <laughs> a different role. So if you can't if you can't land the, the the audition to play yourself in a TV show about the job you had, like there's, you're, you're not a good actor. But the uh, guy the guy who plays Herc is like the most realistic cop of all. Like that guy, I could believe is a real cop. The, the you know the, the shaved head uh, guy. Like he oh, looks yeah. and embodies the the real fucking like Baltimore. Or like he he seems like he could have come straight out of like the Boston Police Department. That fucking guy. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, we I just I found this clip of this comedian doing a, a perfect impersonation of like the top 12 characters on that show that we we were gonna, thinking about playing it. But I think we're going to skip that for now. But um, it, it just yeah, you realize we'll, we'll tweet like, it under this podcast. It, it, it works better when you <laughs> see the names of the character underneath. But it's no, it's good. It's very yeah, good. Yeah, it's just it's like the the. You know, he's he's the most Mark Wahlberg you could be <laughs> and not be a parody uh, of of what a uh, Boston or Baltimore co- a white cop would sound like. That guy's name, by the way, the actor's name, Dominic Lombardozzi. I mean, this guy was fucking destined, <laughs> destined to be a cop, uh, a, 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 like a mob enforcer or like mob muscle or like an actor playing those two things in every movie. Well, and the great thing about The Wire, too, is, you know, if if you hate the cops and you watch this show, you're going to be like, yeah, this show makes the cops look terrible. You couldn't possibly think that this makes cops look good. But if you're a cop and you watch this show, you're like, yeah, this shows the shit we have to deal with. Now you understand. (laughs) Now you understand how, you know, like if we don't kick your ass, it's 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 us being angels. Right. And even in the first pilot episode, they get drunk and go beat up on black people just for fun, basically. Right. (laughs) It, it is this weird Rorschach test, right, where, where, where it kind of is like that, because I look at that show and I'm like, oh, wow, these cops are fucking scumbags. Like, almost everyone on this show is a fucking scumbag. But but you, but you there's nothing in that show that cops wouldn't admit to doing and haven't admitted to doing, like, you know, in conversation, <laughs> casual conversation. Oh, so. but way worse. This this show doesn't nuke sh- like no, right, the exactly. surface. I mean, the ch- cops in Chicago had a, had a secret torture prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, yeah. They would just right. torture people and not book them, and it was it wasn't known about publicly for like twenty five years, right? Whereas in this show, the they show the statue to that guy up, don't they? The, the I, fucking yeah, I don't know, I don't fucking know. But the, I mean, in this show, all the shitty cops who are young eventually like work out their shit and like become you know good police. 
uh, or, or they, or they fucking accidentally kill another cop and have to go be a school teacher. So, <laughs> right, it's like they, they, they all learn their lesson eventually, which just doesn't work that way in real life. Crazy. Um. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I. But there's one more clip, by the way, that I wanted to um play. Uh. Well, you know, we're still talking about the Chappelle thing because I think it's also an interesting um uh, clip of his from. Uh, I think it was called the bird revelation. His memory did those like two stand-up specials in the same, like they released them at the same time. And the one was the, the intimate club. And the one was like the big, you know, venue. This was from the intimate club one, uh, <clears throat> which I, I fuck it. I thought that was his best of all of his Netflix uh, specials. I really like that. Um, right. Roll it. But yeah, this is a clip from that. And we'll, uh, we'll chat about it. Candace Owen. That rotten bitch. She's the worst. I can't think of a worse way to make money. She's the most articulate idiot I've ever seen in my fucking life. She's so articulate, she can tell you how fucking stupid she is precisely. And she told George Floyd's rap record on the internet. Oh, he was uh, this, he did that, and he was, he's a drug addict. And he's not a hero. And why does the black community make him a hero? Why do you choose him as a hero? We didn't choose him. You did. They killed him. And that wasn't right. So he's the guy. We're not desperate for heroes in the black community. Any nigga that survives this nightmare is my goddamned hero. So, I mean, I, I play that clip because I think that that obviously number one, it's, it's great, but it's also an example of him in his acts, not doing jokes. He just, you know, uses his act as a vehicle to just talk about shit that, that he thinks about that's, you know, in, in the zeitgeist, in the news. And I think that that's perfectly fine. So like, I don't think that on its own, him, you know, talking about the trans stuff like is, you know off limits in a stand-up special i just think he has a wrong opinion about that whole situation but i think it's perfectly valid for him to use his stand-up as just a, a venue to fucking have basically you know uh, a conversation with the crowd and i think that's a lot of great stand-up is that i mean a lot of george carlin's material uh i mean he always found a way to make a really fucking funny joke out of everything he was talking about carlin but a lot of it is just telling the fucking truth to the audience. Like it's, it's more of a, a speaking gig than a standup special at times, you know? And that's, yeah. that's what comedy can be too. I think that that's, well, that's what, perfectly uh, valid. Oh, what's his name? Uh, oh, oh, fuck. Sixties guy. Uh, Lenny Bruce. Yeah. Lenny Bruce. That's what right. he kind of turned into. But part of that was the fact that the courts were coming after him and like, just kind of <laughs> get arrested every time you do a standup. Special, right. Basically. Right. So right. he kind of became a martyr and really doubled down on, on trying to put the court on trial and, <clears throat> you know, was doing a shitload of heroin and kind of falling, falling apart in a lot of ways. So kind of, if you really want to see, um, check out the Dustin Hoffman biopic he did, uh, just called Lenny. And it's, some of Dustin Hoffman's best work as yeah, uh, portraying Lenny Bruce in that movie. There's a, there's a scene where he just comes up on stage and just uh, like he's he's in the scene. He's like very, very high. And he just kind of like mumbles and shuffles around the stage for 10 minutes. And it's like all one take. It's like all one take. 
uh, no cuts, and apparently is like almost verbatim to right a, a real quote unquote performance of uh, Lenny Bruce at the end of his career for shortly before he died. Hmm. Yeah, I gotta check that out. I uh, I never I never seen that, but yeah. So I mean, that's you know, uh, I, I think I think that kind of wraps up the Chappelle stuff, but um. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I certainly think overall, it, if if you've enjoyed any of his stand-up before, uh, I think it's certainly worth a watch. You know, you certainly may hold the same opinions that you hold beforehand after you see it, but at least you'll kind of have the idea of the context of it. And, you know, I, I think everything in our culture is kind of just, you know, headline-driven anyway, and it and it really fuels the discourse, and it's kind of unfortunate, but that's just kind of where we're at, so... Um, and if you don't like fucking mainstream comedians, that's fine. There's right. there's lots of you know smaller comedy. I mean, there's just all the fucking clips of the, like the the TikTok comedians we play on this show. Like there, <laughs> you can find the comedy you like. Doesn't mean you have to like every, or agree with everything they say. Like I can I watch some of Joe Rogan's old stand up. It's a, it's pretty fucking good, honestly. Yeah, he was really good. Before yeah, he got or, a lot watch. Of money. <laughs> Watch Bill Burr's stand up. You know, he like if you want to talk about like sort of right wing comedians, um, there's there's some of that in there, but there's also some really good non political comedy in there. But yeah. you know, it's it's like again, it's like, or I mean, just honestly, if you like the show and you like our politics, watch any fucking George Carlin stand up special because they're all yeah. incredible and there's. A million of them. He did a fucking stand up special a year until he died, pretty much. Just watch Bill um, Hicks. Just go back and watch Bill. Oh, Hicks. yeah. Bill Hicks. I mean, that honestly, yeah. either one. But, uh, but no, it, it's just, yeah, great shit. Um, Speaking of comedy, I had a real quick headline I want to read here. This was from uh, NBC Los Angeles. It can be found on Twitter at NBCLA. Uh, this, this headline, this is like why you, like, as we have AI uh, editing more and more of the content that we get. We're going to have more of these hilarious headlines like this. So the headline is uh, Raiders set COVID rules for fans come with Vax proof or get shot on site. <laughs> I knew it. I knew they were trying to fucking kill us. If we didn't oh, take their microchips. <laughs> Did you hear that they're putting the vaccine in salad dressing now? Oh shit, guys, you gotta fuck. No, they should, but that's not the target demo. They should say they're putting it in like the tartar sauce they put on like the McDonald's fish fillets. Like that's that's where you really wanted to fuck. The, if you the, really wanted to scare the anti vaxxers. You know the sauce on the McRib sandwich has the fucking COVID. <laughs> oh, and man. now, and now they're coming out with an actual pill, a pill, not the vaccine, just a pill to treat the mild to medium symptoms of COVID. And it's like if if the if the QAnon right wingers are opposed to this now after taking fucking, you know, like beet juice enemas and horse tranquilizers or whatever the fuck with dewormer and shit, huffing sodium opposed, hydrochloride and shit like that. Like, yeah, sodium if they're opposed to a pill that's specifically designed for COVID symptoms, then we're going to know that all along it was really just them being afraid of the needle. That's all it right. was. Well, I I. I, I yeah, it's i think there's there's a segment of them that's that and there's a segment of them are just so fucking like brain poisoned by you know the fact that the government has and will do fucked up shit especially geopolitically um that they refuse to believe anything and you know again i've talked about on the show a million times why uh this you know sure the government is is uh, in part of you know part of the rollout of this vaccine but uh, this was created by fucking scientists and doctors like this was 
a technology they've worked on for over a decade and this is not a fucking you know the thing people don't realize about drug companies and the biggest kind of flagrant like violation that they commit constantly is that they use public research and public funds to create the very effective drugs that then they sell with their fucking patents at absurd markups it's not right. that they're creating shit and churning it out they find you know real useful things with the help of public research and public funding and then they fucking profiteer off of it that's the problem with the drug companies it's hey, not, the problem is not that they're creating things that actually right. help people that's imagine not the if problem it was the other way around where it was like uh, hmm. you know the cdc was saying look we don't have fda approval for for using horse dewormer to treat covid but this is what we want you to do <laughs> right and, and then right-wingers were like, what the fuck? They want us to take horse to... What the fuck is the government trying to do to us? Like, that would make sense. They're that trying would to make us all into horses. But, but that, they would be... Right, exactly. Right? But um, instead, they're like, hey, they're trying to get us to take the thing that would actually affect the thing that, that we're all dying from. Don't let the government save your life. because like, And these are all the people that are, the, you know, the same exact fucking people. They're like, well, if you don't if you don't want to get shot, then you better obey the police commands. Comply with the officer. You're going to get shot. It's like, okay, well, the fucking government is telling you to get the fucking jab. I ain't doing it. Okay, so you're you're not complying with what the authorities are telling you to do, right? So right. And and just public don't be public. surprised when you get shot, <laughs> right? But no, but honestly, it's even beyond that because it's just like every fucking person who would know about this you know, doctor, scientists, epidemiologists, public health officials is saying, hey, like this is the best fucking method we have right now of containing this super deadly virus that keeps fucking mutating because you idiots keep doing the wrong things and keep fucking ignoring basic public hygiene and safety standards on top of not taking this publicly available free vaccine. Uh, you know, that's it's just yeah, it's, I feel like we're going to be having this conversation for the next 10 years to the point where we're on, you know, COVID fucking 25 and it's got like a 50% fucking death rate. And people are like, I'm still not, I'll still take my chances. If, if there's only a 50% death rate, that means I got a one in two chance of surviving versus the vaccine, which which will give me a hundred percent chance of microchipping my brain. You know, th th there's always going to be, I, I, I even saw somebody, an anti-vaxxer because you know, these things pop up in your feed occasionally posted a Twitter poll um basically saying like if if there was a vaccine a a, a a a safe free vaccine available for a disease uh that was uh had a 50 percent death rate uh if you were infected with it uh and it was a vaccine that was mandated mandated that you take it by the government would you take it and 74 percent of the people responding to this anti-vaxxers post said no so 74 percent of their followers said no. So like, there's just no amount of data or information or logic or reason that's going to get through these fucking people. Um, which is bleak because that's the only way we're ever going to actually kind of eradicate COVID or make it into a non-issue is if enough people take it. And I just, I, there's, there's a zero open at there. There are no open paths to us getting to there because these people are just so fucking obtuse about this one issue that I, there's nothing you could say that could convince them. Donald Trump said it and they fucking booed the shit out of his crowd booed him. Donald Trump was like, Hey, yeah, you guys should really take the vaccine. And they were like, Boo. 
Shut the fuck up. Well, you know, you fucking make a monster and then you lose control of it and then it kills you. Right. Exactly. So it sucks, but you know, that's just, that's what we're going to live with the rest of our lives in some form or another. Um, I'm sure. Uh, but you know, the, a couple more quick stories we wanted to get to before we get out of here. You had um, some information about the BBC and their coverage, or lack thereof. Oh yeah, somebody told me Julian about how, uh, the CIA's plot to uh, kill Julian Assange here was uh, basically the CIA drew up plans to assassinate award-winning journalist Julian Assange in the heart of London, and the British government agreed to quote do the shooting. <clears throat> end quote (laughs) and somebody kind of looked around and realized that like the 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 only wing of the bbc which has written a single word about this cia uh british plot to kill assange was bbc somalia (laughs) wow so talk about burying the lead now uh, of course if you go to youtube bbc is not called state sponsored media they're called. Uh, I don't know what the exact phrasing is, but it's very. It's very delicate. It's very publicly funded by the right. It, it's yes, not, it's not. Yes. A, they, they use a very specific tone for brown countries, and they have very a, a, a much different tone for white countries when it comes to state sponsored media or state controlled yeah. media. Al Jazeera, uh, Telesur. It's right. all state state controlled media, not publicly funded media, which is just you know absurd. Um, but yeah, uh, so BBC is is just pretending this is going to go away. Uh, like, you know, they they are. Oh God, I can't stand the BBC. I can't stand NPR. I swear, it it just that that like the people who you listen to fucking podcasts that are just it's no one's really listening to the words. It's just the the vocal tones that are there to calm you and make you not think about anything, you know. And right. then you get a Coke commercial blended in there. <laughs> And you don't realize you're being advertised to because it's Terry Gross and she's talking like this. Uh, by the way, here, I just real quick, I pulled up three videos, uh, one from Telesaur, one from um, RT, and then one from the BBC. So the Telesaur caption underneath all Telesaur videos is Telesaur is funded in whole or in part by multiple Latin American governments. The <sighs> R- I know. Dun, dun, dun. RT is funded in whole or in part by the Russian government. BBC is a British public broadcast service. <laughs> oh, well, I can trust them. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just so blatant. They're not, they don't even try to fucking hide it. It's unreal. It's fucking unreal. Yeah. But it's just so racist. But anyway, yeah. Um, but and I had some other stuff here. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Everyone is every every media outlet that's owned by somebody who is connected to the Democrat Party. Uh, is trying to write their their uh, eulogies and postmortems for uh, defund the police um, by you know saying that like it was they were all ineffective and I want to read from one of them here that you know they're, they're trying to say that like defund the police was a bad idea and here's the proof of it but in doing so they're sort of reluctantly admitting the things that defund the police uh, already did effectively so I'm just going to read here a little bit. Uh, don't know the source on this, but the headline is a year after defund police departments, get their money back. Um, so Dallas 
The demonstrators came at night chanting and blowing whistles outside the home of Mayor Eric Johnson, protesting in occasionally personal terms his staunch refusal to cut funding to the Dallas Police Department. Defund, reclaim, reinvest, about two dozen people called out from the darkened Dallas street. A few weeks later, the police chief resigned over her handling of a large-scale protest. Then the city council voted to cut how much money the department could use on overtime and hiring new officers. That was last year. This year has been very different. In cities across the U.S., police departments are getting their money back. From New York to Los Angeles, departments saw, that saw their funding targeted amid nationwide protests over the killing of George Floyd last year have watched as local leaders voted for increases in police spending with an additional $200 million allocated to the New York Police Department and a 3% boost given to the Los Angeles Police Force. The abrupt reversals have come in response to rising levels of crime in major cities last year, the exodus of officers from departments large and small, and political pressures. After slashing police spending last year, Austin, Texas, restored the department's budget and raised it to new heights. Burlington and Vermont, the city that Senator Bernie Sanders once led as mayor, went from cutting its police budget to approving $10,000 bonuses for officers to stay on the job. To combat a rise in violent crime last year, with homicides up 25% to 252, uh, the total, the highest point in two decades, Dallas has embarked on an old-school approach, hotspot policing. The strategy is on the idea that a small number of places contain a large amount of the city's crime has been tried and tested around the country for decades. Criminologists have found it works to reduce crime in the areas identified as problematic. So they're basically saying that broken windows policing. So that's the same shit that they do in every major city where they hyper hyper target like the poor black neighborhoods. And then they wonder why they're finding more crime in those areas. Right. So but the details here that they kind of gloss over is what changed in that year. Um, So let's see. Where did it go? Where did it go? The abrupt reversals came in response to rising levels of crime in major cities last year, the exodus of officers from departments large and small, and political pressures. So that that line right there, the exodus of officers in, from departments large and small. So defund the police and the pressure put on police departments got a shitload of terrible cops to quit. Right, right. Like, you remember how many cops were, were signing up for early retirement because they, they already had maxed out their pensions and felt like they weren't appreciated anymore in New York City? It was right. like, it, it had gone up 400%, I read at one point. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's not done. But the uh, the fact that you got, like, some of the worst of the worst cops to leave the department like that's something the ones who are so fucking racist that they're like if we're not allowed to kill black people with wanton impunity then i don't want to be a cop anymore <laughs> like that we're just gonna quit and you're not gonna have any more cops and you're not gonna be able to fill those positions it's like the great that was our fucking goal all along right like oh now now you have to you know scramble to get these cops to not quit you gotta have fucking bonuses to uh, ten thousand dollar bonuses for officers to stay on the job not that i want them to get those but like if you're having to beg police to not quit, like that's that that's that's a good thing. <laughs> that's the kind of pressure we want to put on those officers. Right, exactly. So you know, it, it's just they're they're a bunch of fucking crybaby uh, pissants. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's just the Democratic Party is always going to try to discredit anything 
that that pushes for le- actual reform from the left. Um, and this was a great opportunity for them because they can't point to any kind of to them. It's a failure if if like the the higher ups in the Democratic Party don't embrace it like that's that makes it a failure. Like they don't talk about Black Lives Matter that way anymore because it became politically expedient for them to embrace it. But people fucking forget they talked the exact same way about Black Lives Matter a couple of years, you know, four or five years ago that they now talk about defund the police. Like it was a fringe movement. It was classified as like a, you know, black uh, identity extremist group by the FBI. Like it's just, <laughs> they, which is fucking hilarious. Um, they, they just, you know, they, they talk about it in the exact same tones until they are able to uh, defang it and co-opt it. Uh, right. and, and they realized that that was never going to happen with defund the police because it was too um, stark and concise and clear of a demand. And there was never going to be a way that they could liberalize that uh, and phrase it in a way that was palatable well, to lip to your, you know, I, I would to, say that the grassroots movement to defund the police um, really backed off, you know, as they were voting to increase police funding this year, there just weren't protests to that in these cities. Right. That, that was, that was another issue around it. And the article kind of goes on in more detail about that. Um, I don't have a quotes for that, but <clears throat> they, they quoted a couple of uh, main uh, activists or organizers in one city and said, well, why aren't you coming out in droves for this? And they basically said, well, we feel like there's other avenues to oppose this uh you know in the state legislature and i was just like Ugh, what God. happened to you who got to you? who got to you who got to you like who dug up dirt on you and or paid you off bunch of to, fucking to fucking... Durays, right just right and know. and you know there there are those elements sort of the you know professional protesters who get into it just for the clout and then you know start rubbing elbows with politicians and you know, get a seat at the table for them and then pretty much turn their back on everyone else. Uh, <coughs> Sean King. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> right. So, right. you know, there are plenty of examples that we can cite. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And then, you know, organic movement tends to fall away if you don't have at least uh, people putting up an event page to get people to show up. But we also haven't had anything remotely as horrific as the, you know, George Floyd lynching on camera. Right, like publicly, and, yeah, virally passed around the way right. that that was. Like that, and, and that happened. kind of thing is what will incite thousands of people to go riot, whether you have a, a leader or not. We haven't had anything like that this year. We, and you know, that's also it's it's not even because people forget. People just it's very inconvenient to think about the fact that this country is is fucked up beyond all repair um, on a twenty four seven basis. So, like when that's not in your face. 24 7 it's much easier for people to willfully forget that and kind of go about with their go about their lives rather than having to devote so much of their lives to thinking about that and to trying to reform that and act on that versus like when it when it just becomes undeniable when you see a video like the george floyd thing I, like i don't think anyone fucking doesn't know that the cops in this country are racist maniacs unless you are a cop or a fucking right wing you know comps cop sympathizer um but even a lot of right wingers I talked to when that was going on were like very they would admit that the cops are fucked up like they just, you know, <laughs> secretly didn't really have a problem with that. But they would admit that at least that the cops were fucked up. But I think the human instinct is to move on from that because, you know, humans are just selfish by nature and it's just not yeah. something that you want to think about 
and and have to you know devote so much of your life to all the time so it, it's it's very hard to sustain a movement like that and the only thing that really sustains it is the fact that the cops keep fucking murdering people uh you know black people especially um and and you know now that there's the video is so prevalent in this country that that's you know gonna keep occurring but it's just a shame that we can't keep that momentum just continuously going because that's the only way you fucking actual actually get reform in this country i mean that was you know the 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 anti-nixon protesters and the anti-draft protesters didn't fucking give up because they were still under threat of being sent to fucking vietnam like that's why that protest never really died down until the draft was done away with like this is something that's in the abstract you know it's not happening on a 24 7 basis in everyone's life it's happening in some people's lives 24 7 but um when it's not affecting you personally at all times it's hard for you know people to just constantly think about it and i think that's the real reason it kind of well and they convicted the guy that killed george floyd if he was an easy out been acquitted right if he'd been acquitted we would have had a whole nother summer of writing right and of course the the prosecutors knew that so they actually worked to to put a cop in jail which of course goes against everything else they are told to do right um and you realize like how easy it would be to put more killer cops in jail if the prosecutor actually wants to do that and oh, right. in so many cases we, we see the the prosecutor you know throwing in the towel on purpose because they want to maintain their good working relationship with that police department so but right. yeah i mean it, it, but again again it's like the 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 this it's not that the police departments can't be reformed it's that they can't be reformed internally they can only be reformed by massive pressure from the outside that makes them afraid to lynch kids right right that's the exactly. only thing the only thing is that like oh shit you 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 mean i might go to jail now for doing this like well right. fuck this i don't want this job if i <laughs> have to if i fuck around and then have to find out fuck that i'm I'm quitting. <laughs> right. Take my pension early. This isn't worth the absurd high, absurdly high salary we get in comparison to every other city and <laughs> right. state worker. This isn't worth my hundred thousand dollars and mandatory overtime and fucking twenty year retirement benefit. Like just yeah. Look, I don't. I don't even care if I get a tank. If I can't, you know, put at least <laughs> right. a, a, a few kids into the hospital and you know, like get like one career kill. I got that one person I can get away with murdering. Like, I, I don't even want this job. It's not worth it. <laughs> and then go cry. That, that was, I mean, to me, and I love The Departed, but that was still the best scene from The Departed was when Leo is in there with uh, the therapist with, with Vera Farmiga. And, he, and he, he goes and he, it's like the only moment he breaks character in the sense of like, he breaks his, like, I'm in Costello's gang character and like tells the truth to, uh, to Vera Farmiga where he's like, let me tell you something cops want to use their fucking gun like they they come in here and they cry to you because they know that they have to do that because that's what they saw on tv but that's why they sign up for this fucking job is to use the and like i love that moment of the movie because that's clearly him breaking character to her like you know like from his undercover kind of rat like position like yeah you know, I, I really like that moment of of uh, of of the departed, but um, but it's fucking true. It's so true. Like that's so many of them just sign up because they know that they can, you know, indulge their fucking bully instincts uh, and their racist instincts and be completely uh, immune. And, you know, from to be all... fair, I'm sure some of them 
really want to use their gun to shoot somebody who's really bad. It's just that, like, when you're constantly looking for that, right? They just want to. It, it, they want to use their psychotic instincts that they learned in the military. That's the other percentage of the <laughs> right. Yeah, the, the herd of police that are, are fucking ex-military. Yeah, and then that's what's so funny is they th- the people are like, oh, the police have become so so militarized. It's like it, it no, no, honey, it's it's always been this way. <laughs> it's not right. any fucking different. It's always been a military. It's just the, the they're the ones who always run all the operations. When you watch you know videos of them like suiting up to fucking break up a protest, and they're like they look like they're you know going through the fucking green zone in Fallujah. It's because they're being led that that troop or that command or that's you know that that whatever is being led by the ex-military guy in the department who's like all right this is how we have to handle a large crowd you know and they 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 use their fucking uh you know paramilitary training to fucking deal with uh american citizens unarmed american citizens the same way they deal with the other people in the countries that were illegally occupying and terrorizing like that's what happens and what's happened for decades so I just found this uh, uh, one of those lawful, good, chaotic, evil charts um, with like a bunch of different wire characters on it. I just sent that to you. I can't really read it out over the podcast, but it's it's a good one. <laughs> yeah. um, and as you can expect, uh, Marlo Stansfield is chaotic evil. <laughs> right. No, of course. Fucking. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. Omar is true neutral. I guess that. Uh... I guess that's fair because I you really can't call him good or evil. But <laughs> I love I love the quotes under it because uh, Stringer Bell, of course, is lawful evil, and his quote is, "We're gonna handle this shit like businessmen, sell the shit, make the profit, and later on for that gangster bullshit." <laughs> <laughs> of course, fucking... Tommy Carcetti's lawful neutral, <laughs> right? Just fucking middle of the road, centrist, bland, semi corrupt, yeah. fucking you know. <sighs> Uh, anyway the, the um, least corrupt but still corrupt <laughs> right like still like just you know he knew he has to get some dirt on him because he's a fucking politician in baltimore um but yeah. yeah uh and yeah i mean i think you know I, we pretty much hit the topics we wanted to hit today like i said it was not a super heavy news week but um you know that that, that Chappelle thing uh dominated the conversation for the last couple days uh certainly you know on on social media so we definitely wanted to make sure we hit that. Can you notice we haven't had any like mass shootings, like any big ones for a long time? Yeah. Well, I mean, that was partly because no one was in school for a while. Like that, you know, yeah. they were, but they still happen at like malls and fucking post offices. Like just, you know, there's, we haven't I, had like a big, you know, like three or four people get shot. Doesn't make national news, but we get, you know, a dozen people. Right. Had one of those for a while. Well, I, yeah, that's true. I mean, I think, but, but I do think a big percentage of those were school shootings just because of the proximity of people in a small area and the way, how easy it was, at least, I don't know, nowadays it's not at all fucking easy to get into a school with any, like, I, I wonder, I wonder if like, like the, 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 the rising, uh, predominance of QAnon has like giving uh, uh, a, a more <laughs> directed their outlet. psychoses into, yeah. Like, I, I don't have to be a lone gunman anymore. I've got all these other people to that I can gravitate towards and feel like I've got a family now. Like, I, I, I seriously wonder if, like, that is a phenomenon of, of people it, finding that, that, finding their outlet and feeling like, you know, this this whole... I was watching a little on last night. Um, you know, the, the great awakening, as they call it, is like they're... <laughs> like, they don't have to feel like they have to go walk into a fucking CVS it's, it's pharmacy a- and shoot everyone now. 
it's amazing how they don't realize they're just seventh day adventists like that they're just waiting for the fucking end times and it keeps getting pushed back but it's like oh no but don't worry we, we actually miscalculated it's th- this is when the great awakening is going to be but um but i know i think there's something to that i also think you know I'm sure they're putting stuff in the vaccine that's making us docile. That's why they're all, uh, <laughs> that's why they're all, no. Um, but no, they're the ones who aren't taking it anyway. Uh, no, I, th- I think a lot of it has to do with the schools not being as populated. Um, and even stores, like stores are not, you know, I mean, obviously they're, they're, you know, still people going to stores, but it's not as crazy as it was like during the height of um, pre-COVID times. And yeah, I don't know. I, I just think people are more isolated in general. So maybe that's why we're not shooting each other quite as much. Um, but yeah, I think that QAnon, it gives them, it, it gives the, some of those psychos purpose. Cause like that fucking, uh, the van guy, the, 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 the Trump van guy certainly was, would have been a QAnon nut job. Um, but you know, at the same oh, yeah, time, the guy, the guy that was going to blow up all the all the people had right. the fucking van with just like the nonsensical <laughs> decals covering every right and the Rosie O'Donnell, like the really dated fucking like Rosie O'Donnell stickers and shit. Like she hasn't been a fucking a, a, a you know a, a right wing target since like 1997. Like I don't know what. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. But but at the same time, I feel like QAnon it, it, it certainly also incites a bit of psychosis and people who maybe weren't also, you know, it's a double-edged sword because there are still people that will watch that shit and think that there are like, you know, like the fucking, the nut job who tried to uh, shoot up the, the fucking Comet pizza in DC. Cause they thought they were like running a pedophile ring for Hillary Clinton. Like I, I think that that's also a side effect of that shit. So I don't know. I don't really know. Like it's, it's interesting. It's certainly something that would be an interesting sociological study of people who believe that shit like you know what like if they were potential shooters or not uh mass shooters or not yeah well someone's got to do a survey be like hey how close were you to doing a mass (laughs) shooting before you joined QAnon? be like "Uh, i don't know like well pretty fucking close put some put some thought into it right um yeah i don't know i i used to be really into um not into (laughs) this sounds horrible i used to read a lot of shit about school shooters because i thought it was like a fascinating it was one of those things that kind of you know the early traumas you grow up with witnessing on the news like we all grew up you know with 9-11 and obviously columbine and sandy hook and shit like that um so i read a lot of books about that and it's it's just really interesting the psychological profiles because they actually like especially uh eric harris the columbine you know and, and dylan klebold the columbine kids uh, would not have fit into that QAnon mold. Like it's just, it, it seems like most school shooters and I think mass shooters in general are garden variety sociopaths versus just like really dumb hicks that that get you know kind of brought it get, that get taken in by the QAnon type conspiracy theories. But you know, for every Dylan Klebold and Eric Harris, you have a uh, Stephen whatever the fuck his name is, the Las Vegas shooter who who seems like he was a bit of a fucking you know. Uh, conspiracy theorist nut job um i think he just wanted to break the record i think that's what that guy was up to like he just wanted to make sure that no one could touch his record for the most amount of kills in maybe. a mass shooting yeah <laughs> but that's but, also not a normal like you know like that's not like i like i like you know being being recognized for my achievements as well but i don't but i might i wouldn't channel it into you know there's got to be something else under that it's be, just be, that guy put so much thought 
into how to have a captive target that couldn't take cover from a position right. where nobody could get to him for a long fucking time. Like most people just like walk into a room and start fucking shooting bullets everywhere. And they can get maybe, you know, five, six people before someone fucking tackles them. This guy was like, hell no, I'm going to get a hotel room up in the fucking, <laughs> in a tower and like gradually bring all my shit in here and get all set up and have a fucking sniper's nest and wait till there's a, concert of people well, so, who, right hey, so maybe no. he was also just a garden variety you know sociopath and egomaniac also because that's like what with uh with the columbike it like he had a fucking insanely detailed plot that that didn't end up working out like he was supposed his whole idea like he would they didn't even want to be school shooters they wanted to just be like timothy mcveigh they wanted to blow up the school they had a bunch of bombs that they didn't make right that didn't blow up but there were that 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 was supposed to be like hundreds of people were supposed to die at columbine and like all of his bombs didn't fucking blow up so then they just their plan b was like let's just shoot as many people as possible i guess (laughs) um they were radicalized by calvin and Hobbes, (laughs) right pretty much you know the the strip i'm talking about i i think i do you think you sent it to me once yeah well it was it was uh a bunch of newspapers dropped calvin and Hobbes because there was a strip where calvin fantasizes about blowing up a school with a f-16 right and they were like you can't print that like (laughs) what kid hasn't thought about blowing up their school you know i mean most kids wouldn't do it but fantasizing (laughs) about it hell yeah right school i mean do you not remember being a kid i mean we clearly as an adult you support public education but when when you're a kid and you're sitting there in class you fucking hate school right school sucks (laughs) it sucks and then especially if you get fucked with at school like it just it compounds your fucking like loathing of of going to school and just you know which i'm you know most of us i'm sure but but i love that that was what's what that was what made calvin hobbs so good is that bill waterson still remembered what it was like to be a kid Right. And could write from that perspective, whereas most adults forget the things they thought about when they were kids. They don't they don't have the perspective of them, it's, themselves. Right, it's hard to put yourself in that. Did you ever read? Um, it, it's hard to find now. There's a Stephen King, like, not, I guess, novella, you know, not a full book, but uh, called Rage. It was like one of the first books he ever wrote in like 1974 like in his cocaine days when he was a really good author um, about which was about a school shooter. It was like from the pers- like the, the school shooter was like the first person narrator of the story. And it's like a really fascinating book, but it was so fucking controversial that they like don't print it anymore. So I think after Columbine, they like just took it out of print entirely. Um, but it, it was really interesting and a really in- interesting introspection. And I think that he, got himself mentally there by remembering kind of what you were talking about just the the misery of being at school from day to day and waking up and going there yeah. and then getting fucked with like it's just a very relatable thing but then it's just the, the horrific you know a conclusion that some people some people take from it um but yeah i i just you know it's a, it was just it, that's a really interesting i, I don't book. think you can be a good horror writer if you didn't have a traumatic childhood i'll no, just no, leave God. it at that right <laughs> i don't think you could really make good art honestly if you if you haven't it didn't have some kind of you know childhood or adulthood trauma like i feel like that's almost kind of a prerequisite to making like introspective socially successful people do not make good artists that's no 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 just you know (laughs) (laughs) but um all right well i think we we pretty much hit all the topics we wanted to cover for today i think we're good Um, i had some other stuff in my notes but it's not worth hitting up now all right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash move left. 
facebook.com slash move left idiots uh i am on twitter at move on oh patreon.com slash move left i am on twitter at move underscore left uh and i'm on twitter at bike slutty and hey if you are one of those QAnon conspiracy theory nutters and you want a, a real thing to ponder uh go google saturn's hexagon shaped north pole really have, have fun with that yeah huh. Well, I'm going to look that up right now. The, the uh, clouds of Saturn's <laughs> North Pole have been in the shape of a hexagon for decades, even though all the clouds are still moving. How, what, what, how, why? <laughs> <laughs> what, what's the... It's a cosmic mystery. Nobody knows. Because even, even Jupiter's big spot is a blob, but it's constantly slowly changing shape as the clouds move around. But nobody knows why it's in the same spot. And nobody oh, wow, knows why Saturn's cool. North Pole is in the shape of a hexagon. Each I'm looking side, at it right now. Yeah, each side is exactly the same length. Uh, and each each side of the hexagon is the width of the entire planet Earth. Wow. And, and but and but and the, the the center of the pole is, is circular. So it's not like it's a it's not like it's radiating out from the center. So it's something about some kind of a gravitational pull on the something from the center of the planet that's causing this weird fucking is causing yeah yeah so fucking cool (laughs) we could have lucy back on to talk about that that she might have some more insights but that's really cool um weird well all right on that note (laughs) go check that out uh and google that and come up with your own alien colony conspiracy theories which i'm sure have been uh you know built off of the back of that but that is that's fucking weird space is so fucking weird like in a, in a great way like there's so many weird things that are just like here's here's another fact for you uh there's only one billionth more matter than antimatter in the universe so antimatter almost won right our and universe it, it, almost we, doesn't even exist but but if there was more antimatter than matter we wouldn't even know it. Everything would just be antimatter instead of matter. Right. It just wouldn't exist. That's you're right. <laughs> and the, the fucking balance would be. So, I mean, is there any kind of, you know, uh, concern about creating it, like artificially creating antimatter or trying to like fuck with, you know, colliding particles about like just erasing the universe from existence by mm. throwing that balance of power, that, that balance off. Like you'd have, to, you'd have to throw it off everywhere because if you, oh, right, that's true. If you had like, you know, a Hadron Collider or whatever the fuck and created a little bit of antimatter, there'd be so much matter around it that it would, the, the matter would, it win. would encase it. Right. <laughs> it wouldn't let it, let it engulf the fucking universe. If if that's the way that the interaction works, I don't know. Yeah, nobody fucking <laughs> they, knows. It's they all say guess. That, like... They say that you can't create or destroy matter or antimatter, but they can destroy each other and create pure light, and that would just be the end of that matter. So interesting. You get all to right. a point, and it's just it's all magic. Everything is <laughs> right. Magic. It's all bullshit. Like it's, it's all. Magic. It's not bullshit, but it's all like nobody fucking knows. Like it's all yeah. you know. I was watching the show the other night, and they're talking about the Big Bang, and it's like, it's not like as though the Big Bang was an explosion of matter in space. It was an explosion of space. So the entire universe, for hundreds of, of thousands of years, was about the size of a basketball. It was just all fucking energy, pure energy. You know, it was it was matter with no mass. Right. And Which, eventually it can't wrap our minds around, right? Right. It's, it's just... like, okay, so if the entire universe was, was you know, fit inside of a, a basketball, 
what was on the outside of it? <laughs> right. More space? Nothing. But but, but, no, but, but not, not space, then what is that? That means that the universe has a perimeter upon which we can't cross. It, so what's so, on the other side? <laughs> right. Right. That's well, that's where all the fucking Lovecraftian monsters are, are waiting for. No. And look, and like when you think about shit like this, it fucking hurts your head to even think about. And you understand why people concoct bullshit stories about, you know, benevolent white people with beards in space who who created the heaven and the earth and all this other shit like you understand why where these things came from because imagine thinking about this shit and you don't even have access to the scientific information we have now you have access to fucking nothing you can understand fully why like people like have to create this thing or their their fucking heads will explode they'll be like screaming and crying in terror every time they look up at the sky at night they're like what the fuck yeah. is that oh my god well like, I, I, I fully I, understand I used to uh, i used to go to this event called astronomy on tap and there would be like actual uh like astrophysicists that would come and talk to a room full of people drinking beer at a brewery right, right. and then they do q a <clears throat> right and i was always you know like impressed with the knowledge they would drop and everything and i so they did the q a and i put my hand up and i asked this guy i was like why is there something instead of nothing <laughs> and he was quiet for a long time and he just said we don't know right <laughs> we don't know <laughs> Right. And you have to be fine with we don't know. And and human beings are just not fine with not knowing because they, we have to fucking know why. Like we, 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 we're not fine with like there is an answer, but you can't know it. Like it, 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 it pushes on that like that, that, you know, that, that, that need to fucking be included that we all kind of have like instinctually and it's like well what do you mean you don't know what the fuck like wh who knows why why can't i know like well, it's just i think it's good to be curious but i also think like with maturity comes realizations of what what things you'll never know and right. accepting that and being fine with it and being okay with it like i'm okay not knowing what the real plan of the lord of light in game of thrones was <laughs> and that's they have an entire scene about accepting that it's okay just to not know certain things um and that's, that's it that's a hard you know and that, and i agree but that's a hard thing for humans to reckon with because i feel like it's slightly it's against america maturity human nature you know accepting the way things are you know and accepting your own adulthood in America is a challenge for most people. <laughs> right. Well, that's why there's only 7% of the world identifies as, you know, atheists because they, that like, it's, it's just a very, it's, it's, it's just a lot harder to not fucking know. And like, that's, you know, I, you know, I identify, I, I identify as an atheist. I'm not like obnoxious about it, but I don't, you know, I, it's not because I'm like, Oh, I really like, I'm super proud to be part of the atheist community. It's just like, no, cause like, I don't fucking know. You don't know. Nobody fucking knows. Like it, you don't, you know, you don't know. And it's, it's, it's hard to come to that realization, but I think once you do, it is a little bit freeing and just saying like, I don't know. And I'm never going to know, um, you know, and, and I think there's also a percentage of people who come to that point, but then they say like the people who are like super into like UFO hunting and shit like that. Like I've always loved that since I was a kid, but I also am not like a person who's like, you know thinks that every video i see is totally legitimate of you you know like i'm not one of those nut jobs who's like oh that's totally fucking look at that shit they're hiding it from us but like so you it, would it's, say it's all... that you you don't want to know but you want to believe i, I right which is why <laughs> the x-files was my favorite series as a child because i truly you know identified with that 
with Mulder's like underlying principle and animus in life is like, I don't know, but I want to fucking believe in it. Like I want to believe in something, but I don't fucking believe in it. You know, it's like, it, it, it's just very, it's hard to, to fight against that, that human nature of like needing to know everything and needing to understand. Well, I but mean, if a, that's what you want to pursue, go for it. Because as we all know, the truth is out there. <laughs> right that it is all right well on that note uh i think we're gonna get out of here but uh yeah follow us on all the shit we were talking about i'm on twitter at move underscore left i'm still on twitter bike slutty since the last time i said so about uh 15 minutes ago so go find me there and follow me right (laughs) we'll see you next week